0: Oh, hallelujah. You're so wonderful, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Hallelujah. It says... Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is our Lord. Hallelujah. And we can live in one of three realms we can live in the past, we can live in the present, or we can live in the future. And I praise God, I'm not living in the past, I'm not living in the present. I'm living in the future promise and the honour that God has given to me. Hallelujah. And I want to talk about uh, a man after God's heart. I'm always talking about this, but I think it, it bears us looking at it and the story of Samuel, Saul and David. I believe they equate to the same thing that I'm saying. It says, Yesterday's man is Saul. Today's man is Samuel. But tomorrow's man is David. Hallelujah. Because he was a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. And it's where your heart is that your treasure will be. That's what the scripture says. Where your heart is, there will your treasure be. And that, I think, is identified. It's a wonderful story when you look at it. Uh, it starts out in 1 Samuel 8 and 5, if you want to follow, follow it. 8, 5. This is what the, the Israelites said to, to Samuel. Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. This this displeased Samuel, it says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit, yet protest solemnly unto them, And show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And uh, if you read the rest of the chapter, it tells you all the things, disadvantages for having a king. Uh, There's taxes, there's all sorts of things that that a king needs to support him. Uh, These people didn't realize that their king was God himself. Hallelujah. And they wanted to be like everybody else around them. Isn't that like human nature? Hallelujah. Your comfort zone is to be like everybody else. (laughs) You have a big shot. (laughs) Because you won't really like what you're asking for. And uh, and we we could see that the children of Israel really weren't ready for what God was gonna do. So we go to uh, 1 Samuel 9, chapter um, uh, verse 27. This is, Saul was out looking for his asses and all the rest of it. And God told Samuel to go and anoint Saul. And they were going down to the end of the city. Samuel said to Saul, bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I might show you the word of the Lord. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? And then down to verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord will come unto thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And verse 9, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go, from Samuel, God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. Samuel began to prophesy as a prophet. Um, All these things, good, it looked like things were going to turn out quite well, didn't it? But, we get to uh, chapter 13, verse 13. This is setting the scene, really. Saul, the problem with Saul was he never referred to God himself. He always preferred to talk to God through Samuel, and then he didn't have to make any effort to get to know God. Even though God gave him a new heart, he never made the effort to personally get to know God. You can read his whole life story. And the problem is, the prophet is not always going to be with you to direct your path. We spend most of our time walking on our own with God. And if we don't know God personally, and if we don't uh, have him working in our lives, then then we're going to fail miserably. And this is what happened to us. To Samuel in 1 Samuel, not Samuel, to Saul in 1 Samuel 13, 13. And Samuel, this is Saul, Samuel talking to Saul. Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And that's sad. You see, the thing with Saul, he was a very tall man, uh, he stood head and shoulders above the, the average, and he looked like a king. And he acted like a king. But deep within him, he didn't have the heart of a king. He was living, as you might say, the life of pretense. that he was a king. And it was in contact with God. He even, he even made sacrifices. And he wasn't a priest. Uh, and he really, he really messed things up. Then, uh, we're going to 15, 35. So, after all this, it says in 35, Samuel came no more to see Saul unto the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons Samuel said how can I go if Sam- Saul hears it he will kill me and the Lord said take an heifer with thee and say I will come to sacrifice to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do thou shalt anoint unto me him who I name unto you and Samuel did that which the Lord spake came to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, comest thou peaceably? And he said, peaceably I might come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to do the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, not, not on his countenance, or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, neither had the Lord chosen him. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath not chosen these. Then Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? He said, There remaineth yet the youngest. and Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for he, we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now we don't hear an awful lot about Samuel after this. Uh, He appears off and on. But as as it said in the previous chapter, uh, Saul never saw Samuel again after Samuel had that previous conversation. But here we have the man that God was talking about to Samuel. Now, it's it's amazing, I think, that uh, David was not invited to the sacrifice. He wasn't considered. I think uh, I've heard said that David's uh, mother was different to all the other children. And she was a little bit downtrodden. Uh, and David as, as such was, well we can see if you read the scriptures, how his brothers treated him all the while. He was an outcast he was somebody who you wouldn't go to. He certainly wasn't a king. It said he was. Uh, he was ruddy of face, beautiful countenance, but he wasn't tall, from my reading of it. Uh, he wasn't what you might call a king, and that gives us hope, doesn't it? He was in obscurity, feeding the sheep. And God called him. In fact, the whole family wasn't allowed to sit down to eat till he was there. That must have been quite shocking to them. And we can read how his brothers treated him even after that. They knew that Samuel had anointed him, yet they didn't respect that anointing. Um, I love David because he was just Ordinary. And yet he was extraordinary because of his heart. And you know, that's the wonderful thing to each one of us here this morning. We might be ordinary, but in us lives a heart that seeks after God. Hallelujah. It's not of ourselves, it's not something we can be proud of, but it's something God given that we can respond to. to the the Spirit of God. We don't have anybody that stands between us and, and God the Father through God the Son. Hallelujah. We have nobody else on earth that we stand in that gap. And because of that, God deals with us as sons. You're a son and I'm a son, females included. We are... His treasure. He loves us. And the right thing I, you know, the reason why God loved David so much, he could live in him. He could live in him. Because his heart was open to God. So I'm sure God enjoyed living in David. And we know that David was a human being. He failed miserably in so many ways. He even mur- did mur- he murdered somebody. And yet God forgave him because of his heart. You see, when he mur- murdered um, Bathsheba's husband to get her, he repented when God spoke to him. He, he laid on the floor... He put sackcloth and ashes on. He rolled on the floor and rolled on the floor. He he was beside himself. His courtiers, the people who were in his court, didn't know what to do. They couldn't talk to him. There was nothing they could do because he was so distraught for what he'd done. But he knew in his heart, and if you read the the Psalms, you'll see, he, he knew that God was a God of love and God of mercy and he went to the mercy seat hallelujah, he didn't go to the temple to the mercy seat in the ark he went to the mercy seat on his knees before God and God forgave him and he made him the greatest king that the world has ever known hallelujah and that's What can happen when your heart is like God's heart? Hallelujah. There's no limit to what you can do. Life is exciting when when you're walking around with God in your heart, isn't it? Hallelujah. Because he reveals things to you that he doesn't reveal to anybody else. Hallelujah. He shows you things. Well, we know chapter 17, uh, verse 42. We'll read about some of the things David did. This is Goliath. This is David's dialogue with Goliath. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, a ruddy, and of fair countenance. He, was, he wasn't a tough soldier. He wasn't somebody that had the experience of battle. He was a young man who looked young. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come against me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. But this is David. And I believe God spoke this room. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into your hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag, just casually it sounds, doesn't it? And took thence a to stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Very simple, wasn't it? One stone and no fear. That's how God works in our lives, brothers and sisters we have to have the courage to face the enemy for starters and then move towards him because he's a big ugly coward really (laughs) he's not he's not like he looks to us he is weak hallelujah this man was weak, he had a weakness he had all his armour on and yet a stone could pierce into his forehead. I don't know what, how that stone got there. It must have been pretty accurately laid. I'm sure the Holy Ghost targeted it, you know. Um, you know, uh, we have these uh, sort of missiles that they've developed now that home in <laughs> on the target. And they, whatever the target does, they home in on it. And I'm sure it was a missile from God. It homed in on the target and this guy was plumped all eight foot of him, or whatever he was, he was pretty tall, uh, flat on his back, David had dealt with him. And the marvellous thing, he took the the giant sword and chopped his head off with his own sword. Isn't this this marvellous? The weapons that the enemy chooses to attack us with, we can turn upon him and destroy him. Hallelujah. It says no weapon of formed against it, she'll prosper. Hallelujah. It's a scripture, so if if there's a weapon that's being forged against you, it won't prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all an illusion. Hallelujah. The things the devil does with us are all an illusion. (laughs) They're not real. He He just puts this thing on us and tries to deceive us. Hallelujah. Don't look at the strength of the enemy. Look at the strength of God within you. That's what David did. He spoke over this man. Pretty powerful words, didn't he? I will give you. You know, he wasn't saying, well, God, you know, God will give me in your ha- this man into my hands. Hallelujah. Marvellous, isn't it? Well, we know all the story of uh, Saul. Pursuing David. David wouldn't kill Saul because he was the anointed of God. You see, that's the marvelous thing. Although Saul had fallen from God's favour, he was still the anointed of God. He still carried that anointing. You know? And so David honoured that anointing. Isn't that marvelous? This man dragged him round from place to place trying to kill him, and God. Gave him into David's hands at least twice, and David didn't kill him. He just reasoned with him, said, Saul, why are you trying to kill me? I'm not I'm not trying to take your throne through him. God will take your throne. So David comes to reign. Uh, and we're going to one chronicles now. Uh, chapter thirteen. verse 1 this is the thing David had established himself as king and he was now putting things in the kingdom in order and I'll read the scripture to you David consulted with the captains of the thousands and the hundreds and with every leader and David said to the congregation of Israel if it seems good unto you that it Be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto all our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, with them also to the priests, the Levites, which are in their cities, suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at all in the days of Saul, and all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihar of Egypt, even unto Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirjath Jeremia. Isn't that marvellous? David was... The kingdom was in... disarray. Uh, and although David was king, he'd, uh, he'd been crowned king of both Judah and Israel, they were all different factions. But he gathered them all together. Well, he gave them the option of coming. I don't, we don't know where they all came, but to bring the Ark of God back to Jerusalem. Now, he wasn't bringing the Ark of God back to the tabernacle. He was bringing them back to a temple on the top of Mount Moriah. He was bringing that Ark to a place of prominence in the city of Jerusalem. Um, And in bringing that, he had a total revelation from God that it wouldn't be in the way that it had been done through Moses, but it would be a place of worship and praise to God. And that it would be set above all the kingdom on this mountain. It's the same mountain where Abraham sacrificed Isaac or didn't, but he did, did do it, actually, because he would have killed him, but for God. Um, it's the same mountain it's, as is in the city of Jerusalem today. And he placed the ark, he brought the ark up with uh, much shouting. We all know that he tried to do it on a cart, and then he found out that you shouldn't put it on a cart. It had to be borne on the shoulders of the people. But he brought it there and he set up a wonderful time of worship. Hallelujah. If we look at chapter 15, verse 1, verse 3. Now we go to verse 25. try and keep it short. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over the thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the house of Eden with joy. With joy. Not solemn. It was a joyful thing. And came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams and David was clothed with a robe of fine linen and all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers and the Shenniah, the master of the song with the singers, David also had upon him an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of cornet, trumpets, and with cymbals making a noise, with psalteries and harps. And it came to pass, as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael... The daughter of Saul looked out the window and saw King David dancing and playing and she despised him in her heart. So this verse 1 of 16, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it and they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord And he dealt to every one of Israel, both men and women, to every one a loaf of bread, a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. And then David delivered this this psalm. It's uh, Psalm 105, but I'll just read a little bit. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hands of Asaph and his brethren. And this was a psalm, which is a song. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known all his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. Remember his marvellous works, and he hath done his wonders and judgments of his mouth. See wonderful, isn't it? That song went on for thirty-six verses if you want to read it. Hallelujah. And then we see in 16 verse 37. So he left there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, Asaph and his brethren to minister before the Ark continually, as every day's work required. And Obed Edom with their brethren, three score and eight, Obed Edom also the son of Jaduran and Hosar, to be porters. And Zadok the priest and his brethren. And so this was going on continually, day and night. It was a continual process of worship and thanksgiving to God. And I believe it's a model for today's church, personally. We have the responsibility to keep worshipping and praising God. And it's in that process, I believe, that God works. I thank God for our choruses. I thank God for the praise that we lift up in this church. I thank God for the ministry of song. I thank God for all you people who come here Sunday by Sunday to worship God. Because that's where the heart of God is. That we might worship him. You, 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 you read the whole of David's story. It's lots of ups and downs. But you'll see right to the end he was worshiping and praising God. And all those psalms that he wrote what wonderful words God gave him. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to worship and praise God. It's the it's the source of our strength and our power. Giving thanks to God for what he has done. And moving look into the future, not looking to the past. Look look into the present even. Being see the trouble is we get comfortable. With what we know but God is always moving us on constantly you know and that's the challenge I believe for each one of us are we going to move on with God or are we going to just stay where we are I believe we are going to move on into greater things because God is not finished yet the end is not yet brothers and sisters It's something more precious to me than anything. That God is still moving in my life. Hallelujah. And I can't conceive living without without that sort of relationship, heart to heart with God. It's impossible to live without him and live a full and fulfilled life. Father, I just pray this morning, Lord. that we'll value our relationship with you, Lord, in a greater measure in the coming days, Lord, that we'll open our hearts to receive what you have for us, that we'll open our minds and our spirits, Lord Jesus, to the direction that you want to take us, Lord, you know, everything in this church, Lord. I thank you, Lord, you aren't a disappointment, song says you mean far more to me than all the earthly treasure. Your treasure is is in us and in the field of the world. Help us to be gatherers of the harvest, Lord Jesus, that this place might be full. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You notice how David spoke to the enemy. And those were the words that brought defeat to Goliath. And I believe there are people here that face challenges. In their lives, you need to speak to that challenge in the name of Jesus. You need to challenge the challenge because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And it's as you face the enemy that His defeat. Becomes apparent. Hallelujah. It's not. You see David took. Just a pebble. Out of his pocket. That's all it took. To destroy. A man who challenged God. And the nation of Israel. Just one little pebble. You see. When we face the enemy, it's what we have in our purse that gives us the power over him. You see, what do you have in your hand that can bring defeat to the enemy? God always gives you something to use. Hallelujah. Amen. It's something that you can put faith into. And it's a faith package. Hallelujah. The only thing that defeats the enemy is faith. Hallelujah. David had faith in what was in his pocket. They say he had six other stones in that bag, but they weren't for Goliath. They were for the other giants hallelujah God has given you more than enough to defeat today's enemy and the future enemies that will come hallelujah we are more than conquerors in Christ who strengthens us in our inner meaning hallelujah it's not the strength of our legs It's the strength of what's in our heart that challenges and breaks down every barrier. Oh, Father, I thank you this morning that we have have a church full of victorious people, Lord. Hallelujah. Give us courage to Lord, Lord, shout. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord.